This is a Federal News Network podcast. Veterans Affairs Secretary Dennis McDonough pitched himself as a problem solver during his confirmation hearings earlier this year. And he's had no shortage of challenges within his first 45 days. One of them is the Electronic Health Record Modernization Program. The VA launched a 12-week strategic review of the program after it learned of concerns from employees on the ground at VA's first site that went live with this new record system. We get more now from Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. The Department of Veterans Affairs still believes it can deploy a new electronic health record within its original 10-year, $16 billion timeline and budget. That's despite multiple delays and its recent decision to pause again and review the status of the EHR program. VA Secretary Dennis McDonough. If our review shows anything to suggest that the current deployment of the system or the contract requires us to move forward even if our practitioners are not able to use it to help vets or it's not increasing outcomes for our vets, then I'll be, be I'll be the first one back up there to say that this thing is not working. We need to relook the whole thing. I don't think that's what we're going to find. But if, if we do find that, then I, I'm going to be the first one up there to say to you, this is not working. We need to revisit the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. VA deployed the new EHR to its first site in Spokane, Washington last fall. The department at the time said everything went well, but members of Congress and VA say there are problems. And McDonough says an initial review of the Spokane deployment prompted him to launch a longer analysis of the EHR modernization effort. As it relates to EHRM, I'll tell you what struck me, and you all know this, but we're seeing productivity declines bigger than I would have anticipated but importantly, also continuing longer than I would have anticipated. Members of Congress on both sides of the aisle agree the review is necessary. Indiana Republican Jim Banks has several observations about how the program is going. The doctors and the nurses in VHA and the veterans they serve are the customers. OEHRM is the implementer. When VHA is not very clear about what it needs or when OEHRM does not listen, the results have been very poor. Secondly, we have to stop tasking Cerner outside of its core competencies. Cerner is an EHR company. It cannot and should not be expected to integrate all of VA's systems or fulfill every technological need. Third, I think the EHR has not proved its viability until its performance improves in Spokane And then we complete a go live at a large medical center, including all the Cerner modules. After that, its cost estimate and schedule have to be revamped. McDonough says he agrees with many of those recommendations. And he agrees that VHA clinicians should have a more prominent seat at the table. And he says EHR modernization won't succeed unless the VHA workforce in Spokane believes in the new system and can serve as advocates for when the project moves to other sites across the VA network. At the end of the day, this is about service provision and outcomes for the vets. And that's got to be what drives it. And the best proxy for that right now is making sure that our practitioners, our clinicians, docs, nurses, MSAs understand what it means and see its benefit. If they don't, then we're, we're going to be in this box for a long time. VA says it's still too early to overhaul the EHR timeline and budget, but some members of Congress disagree. Montana Republican Matt Rosendale says VA should compensate contractors based on their performance and ability to meet certain deadlines and metrics. When we have timeframes that have been delayed over and over again, 
where they have not met those benchmarks. In the world that I live in, you don't get compensated for a job that has not been completed. Rebuilding trust with the VA workforce is another challenge for McDonough's to-do list. President Biden signed an executive order that repealed three workforce policies from the previous administration. Biden's order restores official time and collective bargaining, and VA announced its specific plans to implement the Biden order and restore collective bargaining. Pennsylvania Democrat Connor Lamb. I come at this with a strong belief that the best way we will serve the mission of the VA, taking care of the veterans, is by taking care of the people whose job it is to actually take care of them. And I think the anecdote you gave from Mr. Kelly in your opening was very powerful in that the thing that that veteran son was left with was really about the employees of the VA and how they treated his father. And the way we make sure that happens, I think, is make sure that the VA employees themselves are treated respectfully and humanely and with the professionalism that they deserve. And here's McDonough. A unionized workforce is a strong workforce. I think that collective bargaining is a powerful tool for a strong workforce. And I think the evidence of this is manifold, but in the VA, the evidence of it is the performance over the course of the pandemic. The Office of Accountability and Whistleblower Protection poses some other challenges. The office has struggled to earn trust from VA employees, whistleblowers, and others since its creation a couple years ago. VA Inspector General Michael Missel says the VA Accountability Office often failed to protect whistleblowers and misinterpreted some of its own functions, and members of Congress have been fielding complaints about the office since the beginning. New Hampshire Democrat Chris Pappas. We know we have heard from the IG over time that there is a culture of retaliation within VA, that VA has floundered, in their words, to set up the Office of Accountability and Whistleblower Protection to ultimately protect the uh, you know, individuals who are working in the system who come forward with you know, claims of waste, fraud, abuse, and better ways that we can ultimately serve our veterans in the end. So I'm wondering how much you will make a priority of ensuring that VA is going to protect uh, the whistleblowers in the agency and ensure that they know their rights and know, to, know how to come forward with this valuable information. McDonough says it's a big priority, and he's been talking to the workforce about it since he first got to the department. The lifeblood of a well-functioning agency is the free flow of good information. And by good, I don't mean only information that tells a positive story. I mean information that tells us what's going on. So the free flow of that information is a prerequisite for us to be great. The second is any impediments of the free flow of that information, including retaliation against whistleblowers, including ignoring requests from the inspector general, uh, those things will not be tolerated here ever. And so I don't know that there's a culture that Mike Missile mentioned to you of retaliation, but if there is, we're going to change it. And, and that'll take some doing because, you know, the free flow of information, information that tells the, the accurate story, good or bad, is what we need to succeed. And, you know, we owe that to the vets. We owe that to you. The president recently nominated Marianne Donaghy as the new director for OAWP. She's a former federal prosecutor, accountant, and teacher who has experience setting up an inspector general's office inside the Philadelphia City School District. McDonough says she has a proven track record in setting up effective organizations. Nicola Grisco, Federal News Network. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. 
The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over two million employees, Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired others and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him 
it inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all, but is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Pop quiz, what can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. It said we make 35,000 decisions a day. No wonder they don't all come out just right. Like when you pre-ordered those fresh sneakers, that dropped right when you repaid your friend for lunch. It happens. But overdrafts don't have to. Get extra time to cover your overdraft with Citizens Peace of Mind, so you can relax in those sweet kicks and focus on your next 34,999 decisions. Learn more about how to reverse your overdraft fees at citizensbank.com slash peace of mind. Citizens, made ready. Member FDIC. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.